You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk. Chris is going to come up and speak to us in in relation to this passage in a few minutes. But I want to read it. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 6. So 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 to 6. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But I've got just a, a message for, for Chrissy. I'll pick that up in a minute. I'm a bit of a student of, um, of Dr. S.M. Lockridge. I don't know whether you've heard of him. Uh, American pastor, uh, born in the 40s, 50s, and died in, in 2000. And he was a friend of various presidents of the United States. And uh, he said that sermons should... This is a challenge to you, Chris, here, and to, to Jamie in the future... Stretch your mind. And I'm not going to use an American accent here. Secondly, they should tan your hide. In other words, they should correct you. Thirdly, they should warm your heart and inspire. Fourthly, they should provoke the will and challenge you to do the will of God. That's what we, that's what preachers do for us, ladies and gents. And we'll pray for you. Father God, I just want to pray for Chris this morning, for his preparation for the work that he's done this week in relation to this sermon. And let that be instructive, challenging. We lift him him up to you and we pray that we will listen, we will open our hearts and open our minds this morning to what he's got to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Lovely to be with you. Uh, I wonder what comes to mind when you hear the word evangelism. I wonder if you think about Billy Graham preaching to thousands of people. I wonder when you hear the word evangelism, you think of a street preacher with a poor sound system and no audience. Maybe when you think of evangelism, you think of that look of bewilderment on the face of your friends and family as you mention the name of Jesus. 
Or maybe that image is of you with a dry mouth and a sweaty brow at the very thought of talking to Jesus, talking to anyone about Jesus. Or when you hear evangelism, maybe you think of giving out tracts, serving at a soup kitchen, uh, knocking on doors, praying for someone, inviting your non-Christian neighbours for a barbecue, participating in a Christianity Explored course, or helping out at a fun day. I wonder if you think of evangelism like this story that I heard once about the evangelist at the end of the church service. He invited people forward for prayer. One man came forward and said, I'd like prayer for my hearing. So the evangelist spit on his finger and he put his finger in the man's ear and he said, how's your hearing? And he said, I don't know, it's not till next Tuesday. Uh, the word evangelism is sometimes used like the word awesome that is if you've seen a lego movie you'll know that everything is awesome i've sang i wasn't going to sing today but i couldn't resist if everything is awesome then awesome suddenly loses its awesomeness so if we say things like pizza is awesome and then we say the holiness of God is awesome. Are we saying pizza and God are equals? It's a little bit like evangelism. If we say the playing foot golf with a non-Christian is evangelism and sharing the gospel is evangelism, then what actually is evangelism? Well, hopefully by looking at this passage in 2 Corinthians 4, we're going to know for certainty two things by the end of today. One is this, what is evangelism? And secondly, how do we do evangelism? So that's what we're going to look at. What is evangelism? How do we do evangelism? Let me pray before we get stuck into the text. Father God, we thank you for the privilege it is of joining you in your work. We pray, Father, that you would encourage our souls today so that we would rejoice in evangelism. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you want to know what evangelism is, let's just cut to the chase. Look at verse 5 and 6 for me, please. I'll read it to you. It says, For we preach, what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So Rico Tice says that evangelism is two things. Verse 5, evangelism is we preach, we, sorry, we preach Jesus Christ as Lord. And evangelism is, verse 6, God opens blind eyes. Okay, that is evangelism. Now why are these two uh, elements vital in evangelism? They're vital because the passage tells us that the world is blind to Jesus. Have a look at verse 4. We're told in verse 4 that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Ever since the Garden of Eden, Satan's mission has been to blind people to who God is. And as you read the Bible, as you look at church history, you will see that there's times where Satan has been more successful than others. In the UK in 2021, I would compare the situation to the Titanic. 
me and my wife got to watch the Titanic the other day. Uh, even though we knew the end, it didn't spoil it. It's a decent film, but I wouldn't recommend everyone to watch it. Anyway, enough of that film critique. If you've watched the film Titanic or you know anything about the film Titanic, you know that as the boat starts to fill with water, the bow goes into the water and the stern rises up. As the stern rises up, it's harder for people to reach the stern because every passing moment, the incline is getting steeper and steeper. It's only when the Titanic breaks that the stern kind of levels off for a bit, doesn't it? So that image that it goes up and then as the Titanic breaks in half, the stern kind of comes down a little bit, making it easier to reach the stern. Now our culture has been moving away from God on a steep incline for many, many years, making it harder for us to reach people. We felt for many years that we were sinking down like the bow on the ship. And the stern, our culture, was rising further and further up, making it harder for us to reach. And often the distance between God and culture has left us thinking, what's the point in evangelism? Why even bother? The gap's too big for us to make any difference. And in some ways, this huge gap, it suited our comfortable lives. The church has retreated to be in a safe place. The gap is too big, so we think, why bother? We'll just retreat to our own, we'll keep our heads down, and we hope we don't get hit by those good, those big cultural icebergs like sexuality, gender roles, gender identity. But friends, things have changed. The pandemic has broken that ship, so the stern is now reachable. Now, sadly, we know that the pandemic has resulted in the death rate being more than the birth rate. We know that in some parts of the country, the divorce rates have doubled than on previous years. And we also realise that we can't control our diaries like we hoped we could. Our culture has never been more open to the gospel because they've seen how fragile life is. They've seen how broken relationships are. And they've seen how little control we actually have over our lives. Our time is now to reach out to those around us with Jesus. And evangelism is how we do it. Now we've got, to, we've got to just say this. Because our culture might be more open to Jesus, it doesn't mean that they're any less blind. You see, people might be more open to spiritual discussions. But that doesn't suddenly mean that they're going to trust in Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Why? Because they can't see Jesus. We need God to work a miracle in people, just like God worked a miracle in us too. And this is the key to get to today, church. Please get this down. We have to remember that if it wasn't for the miracle God worked in me and you, we would still be blind to who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. That grace that God showed us is grace that God can show other people too. Sticking with the Titanic illustration, the life jackets and lifeboats that God has provided us, God can provide for those around us too. And this should give us great confidence in our evangelism because we go and preach Christ. We go preaching Christ because the God who opened our eyes is able to open the eyes of those around us too.
And our confidence for doing evangelism is further strengthened by the power of God's word. Check out verse 6. We're told that this word, the word that brought life and light at the start of creation, is the same word that brings life and light to a person when they come to faith in Christ. So no longer, no longer do we live under the blindness Satan has given us, but we live in the light of the world, Jesus Christ. No longer are we dead in our sins facing the wrath of God. Now we live with eternal life in our hearts, free from condemnation and reconciled back to God. Church, do you see the miracle God has done for you? Do you rejoice at the grace that God has given you? Do you marvel at the love God has poured into your heart through Jesus Christ? And if you do, are you filled with confidence to go and preach Christ? The God who opened our blind eyes is ready to open more blind eyes. So church, can I ask you this morning, are you ready to preach Jesus Christ as Lord? And watch by God's grace, miraculously, him opening blind eyes. Remember that stern is in reach, but you know what happens at the end of the film? Even the stern goes underwater as well. So the stern is reachable now, but at some point it's going to sink too. Are you, are we, am I ready for evangelism? We preach Christ Jesus as Lord and God opens blind eyes. So if that's what is evangelism, the second question and final question we're going to look at today is how do we do evangelism? Now, before you're thinking, oh, this is a really short sermon, I've got 19 points, okay? So, so if you've got sandwiches and you want to get them out, uh, I'm only joking, Dan, don't worry, it's only, not 19, 25. Okay, here we go. So this passage is great because it's told us what is evangelism, but it also gives us four vital elements for how to do evangelism. Two are are to do with God. So we're going to look at God's mercy and God's truth. And two are to do with us, our creativity and our prayers. Okay, let's have a look at God's mercy. There we go. God's mercy, verse 1. Take a look at verse 1. Paul says, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. You see, this is the second letter Paul has written to the church in Corinth. Uh, I think you looked at the first letter uh, not so long ago, so you'll know that in the first letter to the church in Corinth, Paul is addressing a whole host of issues the church is facing. And it seems, by God's grace, that people received that letter and they started repenting from some of those sins. However, another problem has come up because now people are trying to discredit Paul and his ministry. Now, we could easily understand if Paul threw up his arms and said, I've had enough of these people, they're giving me a headache, I'm not getting through to them, I'm just going to cut them off completely. However, Paul is still able to keep going because he knows that this ministry he's been given is by God's mercy. So God has given Paul this work to do because God has shown mercy to him and God has promised to be with him. So Paul will not lose heart. And church, can I encourage us today, 
don't lose heart in evangelism. You see, all Christians have been given the task to do evangelism. That's what the Great Commission is about, to go out and make disciples of all nations. God has given us this gift of evangelism by his mercy. We don't deserve the privilege of doing evangelism, but God has shown us mercy. If you just flick down to verse 7, you'll see that Paul compares us in verse 7 to jars of clay that contain a great treasure. And because this is God's work, evangelism, and because God is with us by his Holy Spirit, church, we don't lose heart in evangelism. And I don't know about you, if you're anything like me, and I know I am, you need to hear this. Because how many times have you spoken about Jesus only to be shut down? How many times have you thought about speaking about Jesus but you've been too fearful to do it? How many times have you gone to speak about Jesus and you've been so worried about not having the right things to say that you've not said anything? How many times have you faced persecution for evangelism? Church, this passage is telling us Do not lose heart in evangelism. We have the privilege of doing God's work because of God's mercy. Jane made an Olympics reference. I'm going to make another one. If anyone saw the great scouser, Katrina Johnson-Thompson, this week, you'll know that she got up and she finished the race despite being in pain. She also ruptured Achilles' heel in December. Just goes to show the Paris in three years' time, still on for me. (laughs) But she got up, didn't she? She finished the race, even though she was in pain. Church, can I urge you to get up? Every time you lose heart in evangelism, get up. Get up knowing that the work of evangelism is through God's mercy. We are to keep on with evangelism. And the second thing we're told about how to do evangelism is by God's truth. Have a look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. What did we say evangelism is? Evangelism is preaching Jesus Christ as Lord. And we are told that we have to set forth this truth plainly. And if we set forth this truth plainly, it's going to hurt people in two ways. It's going to hurt people eternally, and it's going to hurt people every day. What do I mean by that? Well, to preach Jesus as Lord in a truthful way means we have to tell people that one day they're going to face Jesus Christ, the Lord of the universe. And this is going to have eternal consequences. We have to tell people the truth of God's word. That we have rebelled against God by breaking his holy law. And we face his wrath and judgment, which will be an eternity in hell. Now the temptation, as Paul says in verse 2, the temptation would be to distort the word of God so it sounds nicer and less threatening. We may say something like, oh yeah, God loves you and he wants you to follow him. Now you might say, well what's wrong with that? 
I could actually show you Bible verses that it says that God loves you. I could show you Bible verses where it says that you should follow God. Now again, it's nothing wrong with that. But if we don't talk about God's wrath and God's judgment, people will not see the need to repent of their sin and to trust in Jesus as the only one who brings us forgiveness. You see, friends, God does love us. He loves us so much that he sent his son, the sinless Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for me and for you. God loves us so much that his son would face the wrath that we deserve for our sins. God does want you to trust him. Because if you do not trust him, if you do not repent of your sin and believe in Jesus, then we will face eternal punishment for our rejection of him. Friends, we have to set the truth about Jesus out plainly. It has eternal consequences. But Jesus as Lord, it also has everyday consequences too. Now this is good for us all to be reminded of. Because everyone in this church, if you're a Christian here today, everyone will be good with Jesus being the saviour. Jesus is my saviour, he forgives me and he loves me, amen! We're not as familiar or comfortable with Jesus being Lord. Because we realize if Jesus is Lord, then there's no area of our life that Jesus doesn't say, mine. Your sexuality, Jesus says, is mine. Your marriage, Jesus says, is mine. Your singleness, Jesus says, is mine. Your parenting, Jesus says, is mine. Your money, Jesus says, is mine. Your time, Jesus says, is mine. Your holidays, Jesus says, are mine. Your entertainment, Jesus says, is mine. Your child's education, Jesus says, is mine. And your gender, Jesus says, is mine. As Hudson Taylor famously said, Christ is either Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. And he went on to say, what does it mean when someone is your Lord? It means they are your master. Now, can we be honest for a minute? This is really hard to hear if you've been a Christian for many years. If you love and adore Jesus and been a disciple for many years, then this is hard to hear that Jesus is the Lord of every area of our life because there's still part of it that we want to say, no, Lord, that's mine. I'm going to keep that for myself. But that's not how it works. If it's hard for us, think how hard it is for someone who's never heard this before. What? All my life I have to surrender to Jesus? Again, if we're setting the truth out about Jesus plainly, then that is true. And we need to make sure that we get the order right here. We're not saying to people, you have to sort out all of your life and then come and trust in Jesus. That's not what's being said. In fact, there's a, there's a pity little saying that goes like this. Come as you are, but God will not leave you as you are. So the idea is today, if you're not a Christian, can I urge you, come to Christ. Ask him for forgiveness. Believe that he died and rose again for you. You can come as you are. But the God of the Bible loves us so much that he won't leave us as as you are. He will work on our life continuously till the day we die, making us more like Jesus Christ. Friends, that's what we need to tell people. That coming to Christ has everyday consequences. Now, this repentance has never been popular. 
But in the age of authenticity that we live in, repentance is about as popular as a Liverpool supporter in the Stratford end. You see, the age of authenticity that we live in today is about people being their authentic self. You are encouraged to look inside yourself, discover who you really are. And when you find that person, you have to authentically live it out. If anyone challenges you, if anyone disagrees with you, then you shut them down, you cancel them, and then you block them. Now this is brought home really recently when I watched a discussion between the actors Will Smith and Kevin Hart. They were discussing amongst many things fatherhood. And Will Smith said this, he said he'd relay in what he learned from his daughter who's called Willow. Smith had been asking his daughter to do things for many years but she kept replying, Daddy, I don't feel like doing it. If you're a parent, you've probably heard that a few times, haven't you? But listen to what Will Smith came to the conclusion. I think this is, is, if it's not paramount in culture, it's certainly gaining ground. Will Smith said this, after his daughter said this. He said, nothing matters but how people feel. If you don't care what someone feels, it's the deepest betrayal. It's vicious, violent and abusive to look into someone's eyes and not care how they feel. Wow, that, that's strong stuff, isn't it? That vicious, violent, abusive, if we don't care what people feel. Now, I'd hope you'd say something like this, that I think we can care how people feel, but we can lovingly disagree with them. I think we'd hopefully all be on that page. However... Our culture, and especially for our young people at the minute, if we disagree with them, or if we challenge them, then that is not caring. Now you think about that, you're calling people to repentance in an age that says, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, I need to be authentic to my feelings. Okay, we need God's help, don't we? We need God to do a powerful work here. But again, the temptation for us might be to distort God's word and to say something like, well, actually, you know, God, God, ultimately, at the end of the day, he wants you to be happy. And remember that no matter what you do, God unconditionally loves you. So really how you live isn't that important. It doesn't really matter. As long as you love Jesus, that's the main thing. It sounds lovely, doesn't it? And we'll probably have lots of friends and, and, you know, people will still come over and stuff like this, but it's not evangelism. It's not speaking the truth plainly to people. It's not loving them as we should do. Because ultimately we want people to become more like Christ, not more like the culture. You see, if we are to preach Jesus as Lord in a truthful way, that we have to tell people about the eternal and everyday consequences of Jesus' Lordship. So let me ask you a question maybe you can talk about over coffee or, or on the way home. Which of these two truths do you find it harder to speak about? Do we find it hardest to tell people about wrath and judgment and hell? Or do we find it hardest to talk about the everyday cost of following Jesus? You see, evangelism, friends, is setting the truth about Jesus as Lord out plainly so people know the eternal and everyday consequences of rebelling 
against Jesus. Let's just take a moment just to pray and confess to the Lord how we often distort his word. Father, I want to acknowledge just for a moment my own sin here. Father, so many times I have not said the truth out plainly as I should have because of fear of man, because of fear of people's reaction. And Father, your word is so clear here that we have to set the truth out about Jesus as Lord as plainly as we can. And Father, I pray that you'd forgive me. I pray that you'd forgive us. And I pray you'd grant us help to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. So how else do we do evangelism? Okay, we do evangelism by God's mercy, God's truth. And we also do evangelism through our creativity. So again, our message has to be rock solid. But the method we do evangelism can be very creative. Look at verse 5 again, if you don't believe me. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, that's the message, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Okay, so to do evangelism, we must take a servant attitude. And that is that we pour ourselves out for the sake of others. So it's to go to the match, even if we don't like football. It's to go for a coffee, even if we'd rather watch Countdown. It's to go for a walk at lunchtime, rather than scroll on our phone. It's to be creative in how we spend time with people. Now, one of the ways we want to try and help you with your evangelism here at ECC is to make sure that we have good resources for you to use. Now, you may or may not know, but on our Facebook page, I did a video a couple of months back about ways that you can start conversations about Jesus. So again, if you want to check that out, there's some things there. I've also got a list of helpful questions for you to use if you want to engage with people, especially over those icebergs that I talked about earlier. We've got tons of tracks for you to take and give out to people. We've got loads of books on evangelism that we can let you use and have a read. There's tons of good YouTube evangelists like Ray Comfort that we can point you to. And there's loads of great apps on your phone like Share Your Faith, God Tools and God Questions. Brilliant. So if you've got your phone, you can just get it out. If you don't know what to say, there's an app that walks you through what the gospel is and how to talk to someone about it. There's all there. Another way that we want to try and help you with evangelism is by creating opportunities for you to bring people to hear the gospel. Now I want you to be confident that in our Sunday morning gatherings, we'll always have a gospel message. So you know that the truth about Jesus will be set out plainly every Sunday. Just to give you something for your diaries, in March next year, we've got a whole week of evangelistic events to coincide with something called Passion for Life. So again, look out for those things. Our baby and toddler groups that I've been part of always try and think creatively of how they can set the truth about Jesus out plainly. And I really want to just push this fun day on August the 28th. I really do hope this will be a whole church effort. We, want, we need people to look after the, the bounty castles. We need people to, to be present and serve in any way you can. We want people to give out tracts. We want people to be sharing the gospel. We want people to be praying for others. 
We need every single person at ECC to be available that day and serve. So if you can, please get in touch with me. Please get in touch with Jamie, the office, and please let us know how you're willing to serve. That's one till four, although there'll be some set up and put down on uh, Saturday, August the 28th. So please be there. Please be praying for that. You see, we want to be a church that encourages and welcomes creativity and evangelism whilst holding out the truth about Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you've got ideas for an evangelistic event, or if you need more help in how to communicate the truth about Jesus, then please let us know, and we want to work with you. We want to, part of my role is to train people, is to put on events, is to help people. If you've got a passion in a certain area, then use that passion to reach out to others, and I can definitely help you with that. So how do we do evangelism? The last point now, we do it through God's mercy, God's truth, our creativity, and finally our prayers. Now it wouldn't be a sermon on evangelism if I didn't quote Billy Graham. I'd feel like I was doing a disservice. So here's a great Billy Graham quote on prayer. Billy Graham said, Prayer is crucial in evangelism. Only God can change the heart of someone who is in rebellion against him. No matter how logical our arguments are, how fervent our appeals, our words will accomplish nothing unless God's Spirit prepares the way. So friends, it doesn't matter how polished our gospel presentations are. It doesn't matter how confident you are in the gospel. It doesn't matter how faithful you are in calling people to repentance. It doesn't matter how creative our events are. It doesn't matter. Um, all of these things don't matter. The only thing that matters is God opening blind eyes. And our prayers should be urging God to send us out to preach Christ. And when we do so, that he would open the blind eyes so that people come to see the glory of God displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. Friends, church, is this not what we want for our blind family and friends? Is this not what we want for our co-workers and neighbours? Is this not what we want for the Reddish and Heaton's community and the other communities that we live in? Church, God in his mercy has given us the privilege of joining his work to reach the blind with the gospel. He's given us a message to preach, Jesus Christ as Lord. He's given us creative minds so we can reach different types of people. He's given us his spirit to open blind eyes. And he's given us prayer so we could acknowledge that we utterly depend on him. Church, remember, the stern is reachable, but it will soon sink. If we stand still, if we close our mouths, the blind will not see. It's time to step out. It's time to be used by God to do great things for his glory and for the joy of of all people. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this passage. Thank you for reminding us what evangelism is. It is to preach Christ and for you to open blind eyes. We pray you would use us as your humble servants, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.